I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's, uh, sorry about that. So, uh, I, you know, I've been off for like a week, and I forgot everything about how to do this. So, okay, so who has the right to label something? I think, I think there's three groups of people that have the right to label something, okay? Uh, it's the manufacturer, the owner, and the purchaser. These are the three groups of people that have a right to label something. And so uh, I have a little demonstration for you. Uh, here's what I mean. Uh, right here, I've got, this is, this is my shirt right here. Pretty cool, right? You guys like it? You guys are so mean. All right, so this is, literally, this is my shirt, and it's from my closet. Uh, but but uh, what kind of shirt is this? Can anyone see? It's a Hollister shirt, right? Now, now, this shirt was made by a company called Hollister. And so, because Hollister made this shirt, they have the right to label it because they're the manufacturer, right? So who has the right to label something? Well, Hollister has the right to label the shirt because they're the ones that made it. And they put their label right there, and then they also put the little seagull right there. And they have every right to do this because they're the ones that made the shirt. Now, this is my shirt, and it, uh, uh, I actually got it this morning like from my closet, so this is my shirt. So I'm the owner, and as the owner of this shirt, I can label it however I please, because it's mine, right? It belongs to me, so if I wanted to, I could mark this thing up, I could put my name all over it, I could do like I did when I was like eight years old. I used to put SW, my initials, on everything, because I didn't want my stupid brothers getting my stuff, so I would label it, right? So I, if, if I wanted to, I could put my label on this because I'm the one that owns it. Now, this shirt was actually a gift. It was given to me uh, by Catherine, my wife. Where's she at? I just saw her. There she is. And check it out. She gave me this shirt before we were even engaged. Oh, yeah. So she, so she looked at me and she was like, mm, what would that body look like with a little Hollister? You know what I'm saying? I mean... At least that's how I play it out in my head. It's roughly what she said in her mind. So Catherine was the one that bought this shirt. Okay? She bought it. So because she paid her own money for this, if she wanted to, she has every right to put her name on it or to put whatever label she... Like she could put Catherine's boyfriend all over this thing because she is the one that actually bought this shirt. So who has the right to label something? It's the manufacturer, the one that made it. It's the owner, me, because it's mine, or the purchaser, Catherine, the one who actually bought it. Now, uh, as, as, as most of you know, uh, shirts are not the only thing that we, we label, right? Those of you that have uh, label makers at home, what's some other stuff that you guys label? N Nutella? Did someone say Nutella? I guess you could do that. Uh, books, you could label books. Uh, actually, check it out. If you... If you, if you want to buy something from Apple.com, okay, if you want to buy an iPhone, iPod, iPad, whatever, you can actually engrave it, right? Like you can label your device with an engrave because you're the one that bought it and you're the one that owns it, right? So there's, there's lots of stuff that we can label and you can also, you don't just label things, you can also label people. And so I thought it'd be fun, I've actually got some labels uh, up here and I thought it'd be fun to label you guys. Cool? All right, so here's how we're going to do this. I've got a set of labels, and if this label is true for you, okay, and only if it's true, and we're on the honor system, so I don't want to see anyone cheating. 
If this label is true for you, the first person up to the front of the stage gets the label. And then when you get the label, you have to stick it right there so that we can label you. Cool? All right, so, hey, and again, we're on the honor system, so no, no cheating. The first label is football player. Who's a football player? That was, that was anticlimactic. There it is. Put it up, yep. Okay, label, okay, there it is. So football player. All right, here's the next one. Only if this is true for you, okay, if you are a singer. Any singers in that? There it is. Well done. McKenna, up on set, yep, and so then just, that's it. Oh, there's a sticker, that's right. This is, these are like high quality labels, okay. Okay, this next one is going to be a very, very small group of people. And to be honest, if I were sitting in your seat, I would not be able to stand up and, uh, and say this. So here it is. The next one is straight A's. Anyone with straight A's? Yeah, there we go. Boom. That's it. Okay. Okay. All right, here's the last one. Uh, only if it's true for you, cheerleader. Any cheerleaders? Oh, wow. Whew. Things got intense just then. That was, okay, that's good. That's good. McKenna, that looks beautiful. That's amazing. That's good. So she's labeled now. Okay, so, so it wouldn't be fair for me to label you without also putting some labels on myself. So I've got a few okay, that are true for me. Uh, this first one actually, uh, this first one is from about two years ago. Uh, some of you know this, before I came to the Sugarloaf campus, I was actually at our 12 Stone Flowery Branch campus. And when I first started at that church, I, I, I had grown out uh, my facial hair just a bit. We've got a picture of it. This is Yeah, so, I mean, it's whatever. All right, if you notice, if you notice, uh, look at that, the little curl up. Yeah, 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 I got some mustache wax, and I, I did that little thing. That's, that's, a, that's a real picture, by the way. So, so the very first time that I spoke at the Flowery Branch campus, the very first time, uh, I was rocking that, okay? And I was up on stage. Actually, the mic was getting caught on my beard. Like, that's how. It was awful. It was just the worst thing ever. And I was telling them about uh, the rock and roll band some of you may have heard of called Eighth Degree. And, uh, and I told them, <laughs> like, I only have one life. And so I just keep telling the same stories. So, so, so I told them about how I was in this band, Eighth Degree. And I said, you know, if you want to, uh, you can just nickname me Steve the Rockstar. And then a kid in the back corner said, more like Steve the Mustache. And he said that, and I said, you know what? I like that. Like, that's actually, like, mustaches are in, you know what I'm saying? And when your name is followed by the, like, not A, but the mustache, I'm in. So, so that was a nickname that uh, one of the students gave me, Steve the Mustache. Steve the Mustache. Now, uh, this next one is from when I was in, uh, from when I was in middle school. And middle school Steve was just the most awkward person on the planet. 
Like, it, it was just not, he was not a cool guy at all. And uh, so I know this is hard to believe, but the, but the ladies didn't really, like, come running after Steve. I know, it's like, my, what? Like, they didn't, uh, I didn't have the mustache at the time, sorry. Uh, and so, so, so in middle school, I didn't really have a ton of friends, and the ladies didn't really uh, come running. But I did enjoy watching this one TV show called Home Improvement. Anyone? Home Improvement? Tim the Toolman Taylor? And there was this guy on the show, uh, Home Improvement, that I idolized. Like, because he was just the coolest kid on the planet. And, like, he had so many friends, and all the ladies, like, lined up just to be near this guy. And in real life, this was, like, the heartthrob of my generation. Like, all the ladies wanted to be around this guy. In fact, we got a picture of him. Uh, his name is Jonathan Taylor Thomas, JTT. You know what I'm saying? Any, uh, any, any people that had a crush on JTT? Yeah, still. Wow. That's... Okay, so, so, so JTT, I didn't understand it. All the ladies came running after him, and so I'm watching the show, and I'm like, I gotta, like, I want to just do that. Like, what is he doing to make, and then I realized, I know what it is. It's the hair, obviously. So I, uh, so I saved up my money. So I saved up my money, and I, uh, you know, went to Great Clips, and uh, that's right. And, you know, like, I'd, I'd grown out the hair, and I had them part it just right down the middle. Like, just even, like, boop. And, and I did what's called the bowl cut, which I thought would look like this. I thought it would look like that. It did not. Uh, it did not work out so well for me. In fact, it had the opposite reaction. Not only did the ladies not come lining up, but my friends, or I thought they were my friends, they made fun of me. And they gave me a nickname. And the nickname they gave me, uh, and here's the deal. Okay, pause. Okay, what's said in H12 stays in H12, okay? So I don't want to see you. Okay. So this is the nickname that they gave me. Butt cut. Uh, so this was, a, this was a dark time in my life. Uh, with the butt cut. Kids can be so mean, you know? Creative, accurate, but mean, okay? So, so, so things in high school didn't really get much better. Uh, in high school, I, uh, like, I still didn't really have that many friends, and I was taking a lot of the gifted classes, so I, I didn't really hang out with, like, the normal people. And, uh, and in addition to that, uh, also hard to believe, I know, I didn't really, like, excel in sports, you know, like I wasn't like the most athletic person on the planet. Uh, and so this is true. A lot of people in high school uh, gave me the, la uh, the label of nerd. And I don't know if it's cool now or not, but at the time it was definitely not, not cool at all. And I'm telling you, like all throughout high school, this nickname, this label followed me around. Because see, some labels that people give you, like they're really funny and they're like fun, and you kind of like want people to actually call you some of the, like Steve the Mustache, I'm totally down with that being my nickname for the rest of my life. But this, like this was painful. It, it, like it actually hurt to have that happen. And so regardless of what the label is, there's, there's one thing that's true of all labels. That's this. Labels stick. They stick. 
And for some of you, they, they, they stick around a lot longer than you wish they would. Because there's some of you that years ago, you made some really, really bad decisions. And there's people around you that just won't let those bad decisions leave. And so maybe, maybe for you, you, um, you got into the drug scene, you got into smoking weed. Maybe, maybe for you, you went around and you were drinking or, or you were fooling around with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whoever. And, and, and you don't want that label to be a part of you anymore. In fact, there's some of you that you want to follow after Jesus. Like your goal is to be close to Jesus and to just love him with everything you have. But then this label, it keeps following you. Or for some of you, it's your family. It's not your friends, it's your family. And your family keeps saying stuff like, You're, you'll just never be as good as your brother or your sister. And oh, if you could just be more like him, be more like her. And this label just follows you. And it seems like no matter how hard you try, this just keeps happening. Or maybe there's some of you that, that the label is not from your friends, it's not from your family, it's from you. You label yourself. And even though people actually think highly of you, the label that you put on yourself is so bad and it's so detrimental. Maybe for you it's failure. You just think that you'll never be good enough. Or you'll never be as pretty as her, never be as athletic as him, never be as cool as him or as funny as her. And, and, and you put these labels on yourself or people put these labels on you and they stick. They stick with you longer than you wish they would. And so, and so I, like the question for tonight is who has the right to label you? Who has the right to label you? And so, so to answer this question, I want to look in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And this is on page 1,146. You can grab your Bibles, page 1,146. And the question is, who has the right to label you? And there was a guy who uh, loved Jesus and was, was all about spreading Jesus to as many people as he possibly could. And so he, he actually went around, he planted churches. He was a guy named Paul. And he planted a church in a city called Corinth. And after he planted the church and he left, this church had all these questions for him. All these questions. So they actually wrote him a letter. And 1 Corinthians is Paul's response back to this church trying to answer these specific questions. And right in chapter 6, Paul starts answering a question they had about sexual immorality, about, about what it meant to follow Jesus and chase purity. And right in the middle of this discussion, he, he lands on kind of a tangent, and it's really valuable for our discussion today. So I want to look there, um, starting in verse, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, now this, this question he's about to ask, this is a rhetorical question. So in other words, like they know the answer to this question. This is not something he was asking for feedback. The answer to this question is no duh. It's yes, obviously. Like, yes, that makes sense. And so he's asking this question to remind them. He's saying, hey, hey, you've forgotten. For whatever reason, you have forgotten, and I'm here to remind you. So he says, do you not know, like remember, remember, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. And what Paul is saying is, for whatever reason, you have forgotten that your body is the new temple. See, see, back in Paul's day, when people wanted to be close to God, they had to be close to the temple. 
because the temple is where the spirit of God was. So if you want to be close to Jesus, if you want to be close to God, if you wanted to be more spiritual, you had to get close to the temple because that's where everything happened. That's where the very spirit of God was. So if you wanted to be close to God, you had to go to the temple. And then something crazy happened. Then Jesus came on the scene, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose again. And then all these people started following after Jesus because Jesus was not just a man. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. And now this spirit that once only lived inside the temple began living inside of people. It was crazy. So now you no longer had to go to the church to be close to God because the spirit of God actually lived in you. And so Paul is reminding them, he's like, guys, remember, the spirit of God is not in the temple anymore. It's in you. Jesus died so that his spirit would be inside of you, and you've forgotten this. You need to know that the spirit of God actually lives inside of you. And so for all of you in this room, if you've made a decision to accept Jesus as your savior, the spirit of God, like the spirit that lived inside of Jesus, the spirit that was in the temple is in you. It's not around you. It's not near you. It's in you. And then he goes on, and he says, Um, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. And this is huge. See, Paul is actually tapping into this metaphor. And the metaphor is that, that we, everyone in this room, has messed up. All of us have. Uh, Whether it's fooling around with a guy, whether it's looking at porn, whether it's lying or cheating or stealing, all of us in this room are guilty of messing up. And the Bible calls that sin. And when you you mess up, that sin actually separates you from God. And and if you can imagine, it's almost like you're thrown into spiritual prison because you've messed up. You've disobeyed the laws of God, and so now you have been put in this prison And the bail to get you out is so expensive. You could never get out. You could never be free because your sin is too great. Everyone, me, everyone in this room, that's true. And so now we are, uh, because of our sin, we're actually enslaved. We're in this prison. And the only way to get out is is, is, is for a price to be paid. And the cool thing is that Jesus, the very reason that Jesus came is to pay that price. And to free you. And so now Paul is saying, don't you remember? You're not your own. Like you were bought at a price. And and, and this is a very high price. Jesus paid his life to free you. So now you're no longer in that prison of sin. You've been set free because of Jesus. So, So you're not your own anymore. You don't belong to you. You belong to God. In fact, God is the one who paid a price for you, which is interesting. Because our question is, well, who has the right to label us? And the answer is exactly the same as before. See, the answer is the manufacturer, the one who made you. It's the owner, the one that you belong to. And it's the purchaser, the one who paid a price for you. So, so who has a right to label you? It's not you, and it's not your friends. It's not even your parents. It's God. You are labeled by the one who made you, by the one who owns you, and by the one who paid a high price for you. That's who has the right 
to label you. And so if that's true, if it's true that God is the only one who has the right to label you, then that brings up um, maybe an uncomfortable question. Maybe for those of you that don't know much about God, you're, you're kind of worried about that. You're like, well, well, if God is the only one that has a right to label me, then what's God's label for me? I mean, if it's not my friends, if it's not my family, if it's not me, then, then what does God say about me? And Paul, the same guy that wrote these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he actually writes about this in Romans chapter 8. And you don't have to turn there. We actually have it on the screen. He said this. He said, the Spirit. Remember, we talked about the fact that the Spirit of God, once in the temple, now lives inside of you. And that's huge. Because God's Spirit in you is his label on you. So if you want to know what God thinks of you, his spirit in you is his label on you. So he says the spirit, the label that God has put on you, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. In other words, this label is not like all the other labels you've received. It's not like the ones you get from your parents, not like the ones you get from your friends, not like the ones you put on yourselves. Because see, those labels make you afraid they make you afraid to try something new. They make you afraid to actually follow God. They make you afraid of what's going to happen in the future. And he says, the label that God has put on you, the spirit he's put inside of you is different. It's not like those other labels. And he goes on. He says, rather, the spirit, that label you received, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, the label that God puts on you, it's child of God. And this is his label for you. That because of what Jesus did, the spirit he put inside of you, the label he puts on you, is that you are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a child of God. God's label on you is that you are his son and daughter. And look, I don't know what kind of parents you've had, but I promise you this. Your heavenly father is far better than your earthly father ever was or ever could be. Some of you have terrible dads. And you're worried about this because you're worried that if God is anything like your dad, then you're afraid. But remember, this spirit doesn't make you a slave again to fear because your father is far greater and has far more love for you. And even those of you that have had a good dad like me, your heavenly father is even better. And so the label that God puts on you is that you are a child of God. You're a child of God. So what would it look like for you to actually believe God's label? What would it look like if you actually believed God's label on you? Because what I'm afraid of is I'm afraid that because of our past, the people in this room, they don't trust God's label. And so I want to talk specifically about what it means to be a child of God, about what God's label on you actually, actually means. And so this is God's label for you. The first one is that you are loved. You're loved. The guy that followed Jesus closer than any other disciple is a guy named John. And his conclusion, after spending all this time with Jesus, and after watching the church grow, 
In 1 John 3, 1, John says this. He says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. And so John, the conclusion of everything that he knows about Jesus, everything he knows about God, is how great is the love of the Father? How great is God's love for you? And some of you have a hard time believing this. Some of you have a hard time believing that you are actually loved by God, and you are. You need to trust God's label. His label is that you are loved. His label is also that you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Some of you made terrible decisions years ago, and you keep beating yourself up, and you keep putting on this label of fear. And God is looking at you saying, that's not my label. That's not the label I put on you. The label I put on you is forgiven. You're free. You were once in that jail cell with no hope of bond, and I've set you free. I've set you free. You're forgiven. Some of you, even as recent as this past week, made bad decisions. And those of you that are following God, and you're beating yourself up because you're so afraid, God's message for you tonight is you're forgiven. How crazy is that? How great is the love of the Father that he would forgive you already because of Jesus you're forgiven. That's his message. You're forgiven. And he goes on. You're cared for. You are cared for. See, some of you have this general idea of God, and you're like, well, yeah, I guess there's a God up there, and he kind of cares about me. But really, he's just busy. You know, he's too, he's so busy, like, running the world and running the universe that he doesn't really have time for me. He doesn't really have time for my breakup. He doesn't really have time for my parents fighting. He doesn't really have time for the stuff that I'm struggling with. And so, yeah, you kind of believe that God loves you, but you don't think he actually cares I mean, after all, your friends don't even care. And God tonight says, no, no, no. I care for you. I know you, and I love you. I care about you. Jesus, when he was talking to his followers, he says, come to me. If you are weary and you are burdened, let me give you rest. I care for you. If you're overwhelmed, I care for you. If you're depressed, I care for you. If you're struggling, I care for you. You are cared for. God's label on you is that you are cared for. Or maybe you have a tough time believing that you're God's masterpiece. In fact, some of you see that and it, and it makes you kind of cringe and stand up and say, no, 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 that's not true. I mean, not me anyway. Not based on what my friends have said. Not based on what my family, like, no, not, not God's masterpiece. And yet the psalmist said, said that while you were a baby, God was actually knitting you together in your mother's womb. And he goes on to say that you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then Paul later says that you are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You're God's masterpiece he loves you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you can't even bear to look at yourselves in the mirror because you're ashamed of who you are, and yet God looks at you as his masterpiece. After all, he paid a high price for you. And so here's, here's what I want you to do this week. For, uh, for, for many of you in the room, 
These labels are difficult to believe. And I bet if I were to press you, there's one in particular of these four that you have a tough time believing. And you say, you know, I, I, like I get it that God created me. I get it that he cares for me. I just don't think I can be forgiven. I mean, after all, Steve, if you knew what I did, yeah, God knows what you did. And that's why he sent Jesus, so that you can be forgiven. And so, so there's probably one of these that you're struggling with. And what I want you to do is I want you to write this down, big letters. Write down the one that you don't believe, God's label for you. And then I want you to stick it somewhere where you're going to see it. Maybe it's inside uh, uh, one of your books. Maybe it's inside one of your notebooks. Maybe uh, if you drive, it's on your dashboard. But there's a label that God has for you, and you keep thinking that it's not true, and you keep choosing to believe the labels that other people give to you. But they don't have the right to label you. God is the only one with the right to label you. So whichever one you struggle with, I want you to write this down, and I want you to look at it for the next seven days. Seven days. And you're going to look at it, and immediately you're going to think, that's, that's not true. I want you to hear my voice, I want you to hear God's voice saying that is true. That's true. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're cared for. You're God's masterpiece. That's true. I want you to write that down, put it somewhere where you can see it. Some of you have the um, like dry erase markers. If you want to put that on your, on your mirror, write it in big letters so when you look in the mirror, you see the label God has for you. Because after all, God is the one who made you. God is the one who owns you, and he's the one who paid an extraordinarily high price for you. And thankfully, God's label sticks. So let me pray for you. God, I uh, am so grateful that you label us and that you love us. God, and, and we don't deserve the, label, the labels that you give us. But how great is your love to us and how great is your grace that you still give us those labels. That because of Jesus, we're loved, we're forgiven, we're cared for, we're your masterpiece. We are your children because of what Jesus did on the cross. I thank you for your label. And I pray that the walls that these students have built up through the labels of other people would come crashing down this week as they look at what is true and they remember that you actually Love them. God, please speak powerfully through these labels. In Jesus' name, amen.